the best insight, instant feedback, accountability. The all-new Talk Radio Freedom 106.5. And uh, we are going to be discussing now. Uh, it's been in the public domain for quite some time. And we're talking about these um, proposed increases for high office holders, the president, the prime minister, opposition leader, uh, senators, and uh, all these others. And joining us now... Um, a former independent senator. Let's welcome to our program, Diana Mahaber Wyatt. Good morning to you. Welcome to our show. Thank you, and good morning to you. It's nice to have you with us here. You served as an independent senator uh, during the fourth and fifth parliament, um, and you served continuously up until 2000. That's a pretty long period of time, and, and uh, definitely your name is a household name. You're involved in so many other things other than politics. But it'd be interesting to get your views as a former independent senator. We have a whole big raging debate this morning, and we've been doing it for quite some time, on this issue of the proposed increases by the Salary Review Commission. Um, mm-hmm. I'm positive that you would be well aware of all the issues, all the comments that are being made, the, the proposals put forward by the Salary Review Commission and everything else. Um, on, on the face of it, is, is this much ado about nothing? Or is it really something that we should be discussing in the great detail that we are discussing? Well, what's your opinion? Well, I think that um, if something dealing with our parliament and the people who uh, are involved in governance in the country concerns so many people, it can't really be thought of as much ado about nothing. It reflects on people's view of democracy and how we are governed. So it's a logical and valid topic for conversation. Now let's get into the nitty-gritty. There seem to be many issues surrounding this one issue. Some people have the opinion that parliamentarians should never get an increase because there are some people who are of the opinion that they're not working. And they're not doing the job, if, if not effectively anyway. There are others who are saying that while I think they may get may need an increase, what is being proposed by the Salary Review Commission is obscene and a slap in the face of the population that has been made to, to believe that the, the nation does not have the money and we can't afford to pay public servants and others anything more than 4%. But to give these ridiculous, well, what some people have described as ridiculous increases, to these high office holders is is unacceptable at this point in time. Now, the government has not made a pronouncement on whether or not they're going to take it. But let's take the first one. Um, what's what's I mean, as as somebody who served in the position, uh, the the issue of increases for parliamentarians and the president, and the prime minister comes up from time to time, and it is always a controversial thing. Uh, do you think we're handling this in a, in a mature manner? Or are we just allowing too much emotion to get involved? Well, to, since you ask, um, I think your introduction has already indicated a judgment on the whole issue. Rather than ask the question, how is this increase calculated? How has it come to? Um, you just have jumped right into the first judgment that it is obscene, which I think is sensationalizing it a little bit. It hasn't been decided yet. Um, the 
people who, according to the press, the people who worked on deciding what the advances should be were a reputable consultancy company. I think it was Pete Marwick or Price Waterhouse. Um, and that was um, allocated to them by the public, uh, the public service commission. So let's start with that. They asked for a professional opinion, and to decide on increases, not having it done through negotiations, but by an accounting firm which has a good reputation for honesty. Um, that is totally algorithmic and objective. I have already made my position known that I thought that it was unjudicious in that given the 4% increase which was pushed by the Minister of Finance and on the basis which you have just pointed out that that's what could be afforded, um, it is a little bit peculiar that a professional organization should leap to advocating something which has been uh, called 20% increase, but it wasn't. It was nearer to 30 because you have to take into account there are about seven or eight different categories of benefits that those people get, starting with not paying tax on salaries and going right into things like um, the allowances which they get for transport, for housing. Um, they get free medical care. There, There's a whole long list of them. And more than the five, four or five that I've just mentioned. And then you ask, why does a professional accounting company come to that? What do they take into account when they are asked to advocate on the salary levels of people at the very highest level? Well, let's just go back to how they get there. The people who are at that level are appointed by the um, pretty well, well, the prime minister, as we know, and the president by whichever party is in power. They haven't done so for about, what is it, 10 years? Um, and what the accounting company would be looking at is not the political implications and repercussions of what they've done. That's not their job. What their job is, is to compare the salaries that are being paid to people in those positions with the salaries, being, the market value of those salaries. In other words, if you take a look at the market value of the jobs that people in similar positions are being paid um, and compare what we are paying our 
people in those positions, the comparison is not made with the rest of the public service, which is perhaps, in my mind at least, something that should have been taken into consideration, but that's not how that kind of consultancy works. One of the things that is continuously complained about in Trinidad is the inability of the bodies that appoint people at the top level to attract worthy candidates. In other words, it's really hard to find somebody that the country will recognize as being the best person to for the Chief Justice, for example. People don't often apply for jobs like that if they're not going to be paid in accordance with other people in the judiciary. We are talking here, first of all, about politicians, because the prime minister is a politician, obviously, and the president is the other one people are commenting on. The president is not supposed to be a politician, but is supposed to be objective. That very rarely happens anywhere in the world. But to get people of quality, um, you've got to pay them. And to just appoint a politician on the basis of their uh, loyalty to the ruling party does not very often turn up people of the quality that are regarded and accepted as the best that are available in the country. And I am sure you and everybody listening knows that there are certain jobs, which I will not pinpoint because there are several of them, that are not performing at a, an optimum level. To get those people who can perform at an optimal level, um, are you going to pay them less than what they could get in the private sector? And that is really what the crooks of the matter. You're asking people to make an enormous um, concession by, by being a politician because a politician's job doesn't last. They last until the party in power loses power. And then who, then where are they going to go? Having established that they are a politician and of certain level of competence, unless they have uh, been able to establish an income level consistent with those of the best of their profession, where do they go afterwards? Mm. And we've seen this happen over and over. Yeah. yeah, the the clinical nature with which you've addressed the matter is, has been absent very much from many of the discussions that we're having on this thing. Um, I know. 
that's why I'm I'm making it. I I made one of those comments myself, which appeared in the press, mm. uh, and and I was reflecting how I felt because you do get an emotional reaction to oh my God, what are people doing now, and how do they expect the population to react? But then. The population is not reacted on the basis of their own personal qualifications and experience. Mm -hmm. It is on the comparison of what the public service had no choice but agree to the 4%. There really was no choice. That is what the minister said was possible and available. And... People always want more than they can get. This is why a lot, if, even in the private sector, when they can't agree um, on what the salary increases should be, they send the whole matter to court. And the industrial court is trained to do the comparisons based on market values, um, as well as income levels, as well as the value of what that particular job brings, which is why you will find certain jobs in the private sector and in the public sector attract greater salaries than others. Yeah. We need to take a quick break, but when we get back, we continue our conversation. For those of you who may have now joined us, we are speaking this morning with a very special guest, and that is former Independent Senator Diana Mahaber. While we'll be taking some of your calls as well, if you'd like to join the conversation, feel free to do so. The best insight, instant feedback, accountability, the all-new Talk Radio Freedom 106.5. Welcome back. So it's about 20 minutes before 8. With us uh, this morning, our special guest, former Independent Senator Diana Mahaber Wyatt, before we get back into our discussion, take a couple of your calls on 627-3223 and 625-2257. Hello, good morning. Good morning, Tadish, and good morning to your guest. Um, I don't think that increasing the pay of politicians and whatnot is going to better serve the people of Trinidad and Tobago. Look at the roads, the water situation, the crime. They're not doing their job to begin with. Right? This country is in a mess. And I fail to realize the concessions that your guest is talking about, that politicians make. Because when you look at the wealth of a lot of politicians, as compared to the salary they make, it doesn't match. Right? So something is wrong. Okay, just, just on that point, a lot of the people who go into office aren't hand-to-mouth people. Uh, these are people who would have had professions that would have served them well, and they would have been able to amass wealth long before going into office. Um, I, I understand the insinuation of what you're suggesting, but really and truly, uh, we're talking about two different things here. I agree. Um, yes. So I was getting back to the the um, the concessions. Let's forget. Let's move on from that. 
One other thing is your guest said that um, the private company that did the algorithm, um, there are many algorithms that are used for different purposes. And I think that these algorithms should be made public because um, it is the public's purse that they are pulling this money from to pay these to pay these people. And I think that people are emotionally involved in this. Every day when a citizen of this country gets up, he or she has to deal with different levels of poverty. And it is an emotional thing. When you, when you say that um, people are too emotional, because people are living hand-to-mouth in this country, regardless of... You have people who have a, a good education and you know it's really hard to make ends meet in this country and when you see people at the top not doing their job and still getting pay increases because in the private sector you have to work really hard and perform to get a pay increase and it's nothing uh, and you don't have no back pay or anything to get like that right, so I'll listen off here thank you so much for your call Ms. Marble White, uh, care to respond to some of these, uh, the issues raised by the caller? Well, I can certainly understand how your caller from Shaguanas feels. <laughs> and I think he brought in a point which is absolutely valid. And that is that people react to those kinds of announcements about salary increases um, on an emotional level. I don't think that there's any problem with letting people know um, what the algorithms and what the different factors are taken into consideration in making the analysis. And just don't forget that the analysis that is being made is something which is not a decision. It is what professionals are trained to do. The decision as to whether or not to accept it as it is, is a political decision. And I think we have to keep that in consideration. But, um, and I think the point that he's making about performance is a perfectly valid one. Um, the thing is that while, while we're not satisfied with the performance of people who are in public office. I know that from my personal experience, when I pick up a newspaper and I read the promises or hear at a political meeting the promises that are being made, and this is not just before elections, but after elections, if you pick up almost any newspaper Every day there is a statement being made by some minister saying, we are going to do this, we are planning to do this, we are beginning to do this. It is very, very rarely that we have succeeded in fulfilling the promises that were made or the intentions and the plans that we presented last month or last year, it just doesn't happen. But there are a lot of promises, and as a result, um, as a normal citizen, you have a lot of expectations. 
including the one better in some areas, but we get blanket promises um, that uh, potholes are going to disappear. Well, I went over a road yesterday that was resurfaced, not repaved. There's a difference, eh? Because there's a lot of resurfacing that has nothing to do with repaving. Uh, was resurfaced only three months ago, and already there are potholes. There are places that the pavement has been dug up and left uncovered again. And I think that what we are trying to do is we're looking for results. And I think perhaps we would not be so critical, and we are as a country, critical of the public services that we get um, because they don't match with the expectations we have, which are based on promises. Mm. Um, let's take another call. Hello, good morning. Good morning, Satish, and to your guests. Rightly, performance is first, country is first, um, and the political games are last. Why I said so is that I, I, I see that they have a, a, a thing for increase of ministers in parliament and what have you. I, I totally disagree with that as a citizen because I'm not seeing the performance on the ground. And as the lady rightly said, there's a difference between paving a road and the other words she used, I can remember. Because in the Princeton area, you know what they do? They wait till the road gets so bad and they, they come now and they just throw some crushed stone inside of it and put a little oil sand. Not Baba Green, eh? Oil sand. And as the rainfall um, or even bigger equipment go over it, in the next day, you have a pothole again right here. Everything in this country, in my view, is political interference. We should not have a political appointment for an attorney general, a, a president, um, a commissioner of police, and, a, and the commander in the Coast Guard. We should not have that politicalized. That should be a vote, just like how you vote in a government. We should have vote for these um, portfolios. Thank you. Thank you so much. I found that as a very interesting comment. Um, and I'm not sure how the mechanics would work. But the reason why the Attorney General, for example, is appointed in the way that he is, a lot of the appointments that you refer to are in the Constitution. And we have a Constitution which is our guiding um, our guiding law that says what we can do. We can't do. Every country has a Constitution that that gives directions as to how People in political powers should be appointed and maintained. And if you want to change that system, and I know that a lot of people do want to change it, and I think that there are, well, I know that several bodies um, are now working on recommendations um, about changes in legislation which arise from the Constitution. 
that I think we should all be looking at, and I, I do accept that entirely. Um, laws don't change quickly. They have to go through a long procedure of examination, consultation, comparison, analysis. Uh, to get a law changed, and I know because I, although I was an independent senator, I was working on specific legislation, which is what you're there for. Um, and I know that it takes about five years to get a change in um, a law and even longer to get a change in the Constitution. And yes, I do agree if your point is that uh, we should do a greater analysis of what the results are of the laws that we are presently governed by. And we should have an ongoing re-examination, which we should do every time um, uh, a government changes, but we don't. We don't do it. But people who are in the Law Commission have their eyes on it. It's just that the technical aspects of professionals who are involved and concerned in legislation do not always coincide with the political interests, which are then the ones who are responsible for actually doing it. And just one, um, one other comment about uh, what you have just said is that parliamentarians and um, politicians should not be um, should not be considered to be the same thing. Yes, there are some politicians who become ministers, very few compared to people who are parliamentarians. Don't forget you have independence, you have opposition, and you have party and power people. And there's a lot of balancing and rebalancing um, in that structure, which is what democracy allows. At least it allows the representation of people's views. Your view is not necessarily, I have noticed over the years, which I was in Parliament, your view and the views of ordinary people are not always represented by their members in Parliament. The members in Parliament are instructed, except for the independents who are not allowed to do that, they are instructed before any bill is debated or an act is passed, they are instructed by um, the party they belong to, if they're in opposition or in government, how to vote. And your views don't always get represented. How you have to represent your views is what you are actually doing now. And either you write to the press or you speak on, um, on radio or TV. That is how freedom of expression works. In my mind, it is not conveyed through Parliament. Uh, we're almost, well, we are at the time that we need to end our interview this morning, but as we wrap up the 
I guess the final question I should ask is, uh, now that uh, the Salary Review Commission has made its proposals, uh, the discussion is focusing in some quarters as to whether or not government should accept it. The opposition has washed its hands or has tried to by saying, well, this is a decision for the government and not necessarily the opposition. Uh, do you think that these recommendations as is should be accepted or rejected? I don't think it's black and white, as, mm. as you put it. It's not a matter of accepting as is the whole lot or rejecting the whole lot. Um, I think it is something that should be looked at, analyzed and discussed, which is what is going on. And I think that the public's views will have to be taken into consideration because the pushback is very strong at the moment. And I think a reconsideration, those those recommendations are just recommendations. They're not um, directives. And I think that the people who have to decide are basically cabinet and they will instruct um, parliament at least they will instruct the uh, their side in Parliament because we know that the opposition has a voice and is going to make it known. But I think it needs further analysis and further discussion and Parliament and government and cabinet need to listen to what the population is saying. Their views are valid. Uh, Mrs. Marbon, I want to thank you for being with us here this morning and giving us your views and, and your analysis of all that's going on. Uh, definitely put a different perspective on things when it comes to the discussion. I want to thank you once again for being our special guest here this morning. It was my pleasure having you. You're welcome. And and I look forward to hearing what the results will be. Yes, we all are. Thank you once again. And that's how we drop the curtains in our interview here this morning, ladies and gentlemen. Our special guest... Former Independent Senator Diana Mahaber White. The best insight, instant feedback, accountability. The all new Talk Radio Freedom 106.5.